Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, I was just in my car and happened to have Sirius XM on and discovered that the Hallmark Holiday Channel has already debuted. It debuted last Friday. I have a lot of issues with this. First of all, it is Halloween today, right? So we shouldn't be playing Christmas music on Halloween. But I also feel like it's really unacceptable to be playing holiday music Before we have hit the big November 1 deadline, we can't really be celebrating until a big first round of applications goes out, Uh, and that's actually tomorrow, Uh, and we will be celebrating at College Coach, although I do not believe we'll be playing any holiday music. It's too early for that. Um, What if you haven't even started? Well, we have a plan for you. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, The UC, the University of California application opens tomorrow. So a lot of schools are accepting. They have early deadlines and November 1 is the date those deadli- those applications are due. But the UC is just opening its doors, so to speak, tomorrow. Uh, and it's going to close its doors on November 30th. So you're going to have a month. We're going to talk about the UC prompt. So if you haven't written those yet, we have advice for you. But our first segment today is all about college lists and finance considerations. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am going to find it very difficult to just sit down and write a check for fifty to seventy thousand uh, dollars. Probably be more than that when it's time for my son go- to go to college. And so I'm thrilled to welcome my colleague, Robin Stewart, who's been my colleague for many, many years, but has shockingly never been on the show. Super excited to have her uh, make her debut today. She is a former Holy Cross financial aid officer. So in addition to working here at College Coach, uh, she was a financial aid officer in a previous life. Welcome, Robin. Hi, Beth. Thank you. That just shows you how much I love this topic. I agreed to be on the show. Well, all right, and hopefully this will be the first of many. Uh, I not, <laughs> sure thing. I, I will not extract a promise on that. Okay, so let's start with, um, you know, we talk a lot on the show about developing a college list and how important it is to have a list of schools that you do research on and that you kind of put together into the final list of schools that you're going to apply to. Um, but we don't talk as frequently about college list and the finance perspective. So when you're thinking about from your lens of of a finance expert, what information is it important to capture um, from a finance perspective as you think Mm -hmm. about your list? Sure. So at a minimum, I would definitely suggest capturing on your list and however you organize this, you know, it's up to you, a spreadsheet, a folder, whatever, Um, the school name, the published cost of attendance, available merit at that school, if there is any, and what the requirements are to get that merit, financial aid deadlines, scholarship deadlines, and of course, the required forms. The bottom line is you want everything, you know, all the data and links you need in one place, and this is going to make things go much easier when you actually start applying to colleges from the finance perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's no reason that you can't have that one big spreadsheet with 
both the admissions information and the finance information in one in one place. I think sometimes people separate them out, and that's when you miss deadlines. Um, exactly. Or, right, can't find the information you're looking for. Um, when we talk about a list, we talk from an admissions perspective about having um, reaches and matches and safeties, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you know, there are different phrases for them. Those are some generally acceptable terms. We talk about the importance of having balance because you want to make sure that you're going to um, get into some schools. You want to just, you don't want, for example, a list that just features reaches. From the finance perspective, why is it important to have these different different categories on your list? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I say this all the time. It's very important to have a well-structured list of schools in the end. And so if cost is a factor, you want to make sure that you have colleges on there that are going to offer you the most resources. So if that's need-based aid, if you qualify, or merit scholarships that you potentially could be a candidate for. So you want to think about, from a finance perspective, the pros and cons of including also called, you know, financial reach schools and financial safety or no problem. So this is what that would look like. So if you're a family that's eligible for need-based aid, applying to a school that offers, you know, a really generous need-based package, that's key, right? So often mm-hmm. these are the schools, though, that have higher price tags. And, you know, we always say to families, don't rule out a school at first pass due to cost of loan, to cost alone. You know, obviously it may be a factor for some families, for most families, um, but at first pass, you know, you might want to consider keeping that school on the list because if they offer great need-based financial aid packages, it could be a viable option for your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a good idea to run a net price calculator on the college's website first to see where you stand. So that's sort of the pro. The con might be, you know, having too many financial reach schools could be a negative if you don't qualify for financial aid, for need-based aid, and you may find yourself in a position of borrowing more in loans or really, really tightening your budget to attend that school. The financial no problem or safe options, you know, would be maybe your in-state university where you pay lower tuition because you're a resident of that state, or maybe even the college's one you know, where your student is a rock star applicant, where they're mm-hmm. meeting and exceeding the admission requirements. And so that's a good thing to keep a school like that on your list, especially if you're qualified for those scholarships, because that's going to help lower your overall cost at that college. So it's good to have a mix. Right. And and exactly. So the mix is important for slightly different reasons from the finance perspective. But in general, you got to have that balance. And for listeners who are curious, we actually did a segment two weeks ago on the whole concept of merit aid and how to maximize that merit aid. So if you are looking for a little bit deeper dive into that idea, you should check out that segment that we did um, two weeks ago. All right. So as a parent, maybe you're you're worried that the student has too many challenging schools on the college list. And I think in this case, we're talking challenging from a finance perspective. What do you recommend parents do in this situation? Yeah, and this, this, this happens more often than you would yep. think. I have the conversation all the time about, and, and often it's too late, I should add, about the, the list and, and the fact that there's too many challenging schools. So it can be an issue for families, for students, because, you know, the colleges that are challenging either, you know, they have no shortage of applicants. That's, that's why they're challenging schools. And they may not offer merit scholarships, which are recruitment tools, right, to attract students, mm-hmm. or maybe they have minimal merit aid at best. So if you're a family that isn't eligible for need-based aid, you're going to pay more for attending that particular college. So 
again, it always goes back to having a well-structured list of schools. Right. And you don't want to wait until the, you know, you've gotten your decisions back to discover. I mean, maybe you did get into those challenging schools, but you didn't get any aid and they're not offering merit because at some of the most selective levels, right, they're not. And that's a bad time to be finding that out. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times um, I've talked to a family that I never would have let my son, daughter apply here if I had known they didn't offer any merit aid. So it's definitely... A, a difficult situation to be in spring of senior year. Yeah, you got to go back to that, your advice from the very beginning, which is you need to research that. And that should be one mm-hmm. piece of information you are capturing. Do they offer merit aid of any kind? Um, it is consistently shocking to me that, for example, I was actually at Brown yesterday um, doing an information session and Um, that there were, I could see it, parents in the audience who were visibly shocked to discover that Brown doesn't offer merit-based scholarships. And um, the Ivy is very upfront about this. They don't do merit scholarships, period. It is all based on financial need. And so, um, you know, if you have a very talented student who's doing extraordinarily well in school, has really interesting things outside of school, you might be thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to qualify for tons of merit aid. Well, you're not going to qualify for the merit aid at Ivy's, which is often the schools they're looking at because their student is really good. So it's a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But, you know, anything else? You've already provided some good information, but anything else for those families where they've done net price calculators, they've taken a hard look at their finances and they recognize they're not going to qualify for aid or financial aid. Um, Any other advice for them as they put together? college lists? Yeah, I would say aside from, again, double and triple checking the merit opportunities, because remember, paying full price for college is a choice. You know, we say that to families all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. you may want to avoid applying to, say, out-of-state public universities, because often, you know, all those schools like geographical diversity on campus, attending a school, if you're not a resident of that state, could be double or triple what you may be paying, you know, what Mm -hmm. other in-state residents would pay. So that means higher pocket, out-of-pocket costs for families or more loans, you know, but really just sitting down with your family to make sure that the list and hopefully reviewing it before senior year, before, before fall of senior year. Um, you know, revisions once a student is a senior can be stressful. And, you know, does that list match your educational goals, your financial priorities, your family's, not your neighbor's, yours? And mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. You know, even if you could write a check for 70000 you know, you'd think a couple times before doing it. And a well-structured list definitely positions you well and can help prioritize cost in this process for families. Right, right. And if you listen to that segment from two weeks ago, we talk a lot about how where the schools are going to be on your list in terms of reach match or safety, where you're going to get money. And it, it could be a situation where your child is applying more to safeties than anything else. Um, okay, my student wants to apply to very large schools, looking at a lot of out-of-state schools, public ones. And actually, this is interesting because this is kind of a situation I find myself in. What do I need to consider when we think about that? Yeah, again, this might be a situation where while that school does want to attract those out-of-state students, I mean, they like them because you're going to pay more in Mm -hmm. tuition dollars. You know, they're trying to promote geographical diversity on campus. Again, overall, attending an out-of-state public does typically mean, you know, more loans or higher costs for families. So you want to think really carefully about, you know, why there versus 
um, you know, your home institution. I mean, we're both in Massachusetts, and I know we hear from everyone, usually around winter. We hate winter. We're going to California, you know, get mm-hmm. out of the cold and the snow. Um, but what's that really going to cost your family? Right. Exactly. And is that a, a cost you're willing to bear? Um, mm-hmm. Not to mention the cost of flying to California, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Do you want to come home at Christmas, you know, Easter or, or spring break or, you know, just once? You can't come home twice. Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. What about community college? Where does that fit uh, on a list? Uh, yeah. So if your student's going to apply to a range of colleges, you know, including a community college can be a really good idea for some students. And, you know, this would be considered a no problem or a safe option, right, for students admission-wise. Um, cost-wise, it's also a great savings because there's much lower tuition and fees at this type of institution. Mm-hmm. And also, an added bonus, you know, many students also live at home while attending their local community colleges, so that also is going to save you money. And I think it's important because a lot of families don't realize this. You know, it's important to note that community colleges also offer merit scholarships and also offer need-based aid to qualifying students. So, you know, you, again, should make sure of what the process is for that school, just like you would any other school that's on your list. So right, it can be a, right. good, a good savings. Right. And then there are states where they have clear articulation agreements where you go to community college, you do two years, and then you transfer into the four-year state institution. So you're getting your degree from the four-year institution and paying a whole lot less for it. So it's not for everybody, Mm -hmm. but um, definitely a good and valuable option for people with financial concerns. Any final advice for families who are concerned about the financial side of college and as they think about the college list? Yeah, I think, you know, again, sitting down, I say this all the time, sit down and talk about what your priorities really are. You know, so many families will tell me they want to maximize merit aid, and when I look at their list, it's all challenging schools and Ivy schools, and, you know, so really making sure you understand what your priorities are and your list reflects that. Um, You know, the earlier, the better, really, Um, Mm -hmm. getting this down as a family so everyone's on the same page is so important. Right. Absolutely. And, and yeah, just continuing to have a conversation so there are no surprises later on. Um, Robin, mm-hmm. thank you so much. Really great advice. And hopefully some of our listeners can put it into use right away. Um, I appreciate you, you joining the show today to talk to us about wow. it. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Beth. It was fun. All right. Thank great. You. We are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the University of California application prompts. And so if you are applying to a UC, you're going to want to stick around. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, 
how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Quick question for you. Have you checked us out on Instagram? If you haven't, you should follow us. Uh, College Coach is at at College Coach BH, and I am at Elizabeth Heaton 92, uh, trying to post a little bit more regularly. Um, but there's usually some good stuff on there a couple times a week. So check us out if you are on Instagram. All right. So the University of California application goes live tomorrow, November 1st. And what that means is that the application will open and students can begin to fill it out and submit their applications. And they will have until November 30th to do so, at which point the application will close. So the UCs do this every year. Uh, Their application's open for a month. If you don't get it in in that time frame, well, you're out of luck and you need to go to the next year. So If you are applying to UC, you want to pay attention to this now. Very quickly, last week on the show, we talked about the UC application. So if you're curious about the bigger application and have some questions about that or want to better understand how to prepare for that, check out last week's segment on that. But today, we are going to talk specifically and really focus on what the UC calls the personal insight questions, and those are really their essays. Um, And here to discuss those with me me is my colleague, Julia Jones, who's a former admissions officer at Brandeis and who has worked with many, many students over the years applying to the UCs. Hi, Julia. Hi, Beth. How are you? Um, Good, thanks. And thanks for joining us today. Um, And why don't we jump right in and get started with, generally speaking, um, what it, give us the, the basics about the personal insight questions on the University of California application. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, in some ways, they're, they're, think of them as kind of mini essays, but they're, I think they're really great because um, there are eight choices, um, eight prompts, and they're really broad. Um, so it's, it's, and you only have to write four of the eight. Um, so I find that it's, it's a really great way for students to, to think about it in terms of, you know, what are, you know, instead of having just one essay where you have to help tell colleges one thing about yourself, you know, this gives you a chance to, to talk about four, you know, maybe just different um, qualities or, or challenges or experiences that, sh- that show different sides of you. Um, so um, they are shorter than I think, uh, you know, the, the traditional common application or coalition um, essay. Uh, it's 350 words um, for each question. And mm-hmm. so it's a little bit 
kind of a different strategy. You want to, you don't necessarily need, you can't really do a lot of the fluff. You have to really go right for your, your, your key message. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's really, a, again, as with everything, it's always got to be about you. But, but I, you know, it's, um, it's, I use these, these essays for students when I'm working with a student who I, um, am pretty sure they're going to apply to, um, to any of the UCs. Um, I often will start with these questions rather than starting with maybe their common app essay because it, it, these mm-hmm. can be a really good springboard to, um, you know, for, to kind of get some ideas flowing. Um, you can probably use some of these questions for other schools' applications. Either they're, either one of them might become a common app essay or might, might be used for a supplement. So, um, but even if you're just applying to the UCs, um, you know, they're, they're really, uh, you know, there's enough choices here and it's really a, a, an opportunity for you to show, um, you know, tell different, different sides of yourself. Um, one of my, co- one of our colleagues had meant to kind of refer to this more as like a puzzle. Um, if you think about it as, you know, you're putting a puzzle together, you want all these different pieces to fit, but you don't want them to be any duplicates. So you want to, you know, right. try and focus on perhaps different, different ideas, different topics, um, but all that, you know, that somehow reflects some, some aspect of you. Right. And I think that's such a good point. You're going to write four short essays. They should all be about different things. They might all relate Mm -hmm. back to a core idea, but they all should be different in their own way. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's go through them. So the first personal insight question, and, and, and to underscore the point that you made, there are eight of them. Students have to write four. So you get to choose. So if the first one or two that we're talking about, you think, oh man, that's not me at all. Well, there are eight in total and you don't have to write about ones that feel like they don't relate to you at all. Um, but the first one is describe an example of your leadership experience in which you have positively influenced others, helped resolve disputes, or contributed to group efforts over time. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, leadership is all, is that buzzword that we hear all the time. You know, sometimes we hear, oh my gosh, I I need, I have to, I have to hold an office or, you know, be a leader. I'm not a leader. Um, And I I really encourage students um, for this question and just in general to think about leadership, um, you know, in, in a lot of, it comes in a lot of different forms. Um, You know, not everybody's going to be, you know, president of the student council. Not everybody can be captain of the soccer team, but, but, you know, that's not necessarily the only leadership role that you may have, you know, that can be, um, uh, you know, a time when you've, you know, taken charge of a project or take, took charge of an event um, or just a task. Um, you know, that can be a time when you were a mentor or maybe served as a role model to somebody else um, or, or to others. So uh, it can be even something being a leader in your family. You know, if you've had to, you know, help out or take care of your family and you had to take on perhaps more of a responsible role um, there. So, so there are a lot of different ways that you can, um, can, can approach that. And so I really, you know, think about that in terms of your, you know, your role and do, you know, has there been kind of a, a role where maybe you, you kind of took the lead in, in a way, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just holding, you know, having a position or holding an office um, uh, there. Right. Absolutely. Um, I do think it's key that they mention over time. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it doesn't, it, it isn't necessarily, you could describe a one-time thing, but I do think that in general, they're looking for this to be a little bit more sustained rather than just that one project where nobody was doing their part and you got them all together and got them going. So, um, right. All right. So the, the, 
the next prompt is every person has a creative side and it can be expressed in many ways, problem solving, original and innovative thinking and artistically to name a few. Describe how you express your creative side. Right. And again, this is, this is, you know, pretty broad. It doesn't have to be, you know, some students might look at that and say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not an artist. I'm not into the arts. I'm not creative. And, and I don't think that that is, you know, necessarily, it doesn't mean that you're not, you don't have that sort of creative creativity. I think it can be, as they say, problem solving, um, you know, uh, something that maybe you did that you kind of created um, or that you had an idea for, for something that innovation. So, you know, I think of those, you know, engineering students potentially, you know, this, this has, this could be a, a, par, a project as well or a, a you know, a, an essay that you could use for it to really to talk about or highlight perhaps an interest or a project that you've worked on in, in, in the sciences, for example. So, um, so I think that that, uh, and actually one student that I worked with um, who was applying to engineering programs talked about that, about sort of an engineering competition and, and, uh, um, and just the, the way that that, you know, they approached that particular, um, you know, that particular ta- challenge. So, Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's uh, it, you know, it, it can be, it, you know, certainly if you are a creative or an art, you know, really do, uh, you know, thrive in the arts, obviously this is a place for you to, to talk about that. But I think it is really, you know, a way to think about it in terms of looking at something, you know, in a, from, a, from a different angle or put, creating something, um, you know, in, in some way, whether it's in school or out of school. Yeah, I love that. I love that creativity can be expressed in many ways. And I think you should take them at their word when they say that in the prompt. And, um, you know, I don't know that we often think of if you're not a math person, I am not a math person. I always think of math as being particularly creative. And yet I know that the things that people do with math and science and engineering is super creative. So yeah. it's an interesting way to yeah. think about this. At the interest in, in um, I, I don't want to muddy the waters, but I am going to go back to the comment that I made after after prompt one, where we're talking about showing leadership. And actually, um, I want to say that I, I do think that it doesn't have to be over time. It can be a one-time example. So I'm sorry to confuse things. But as I was thinking about my answer, I'm like, I think that actually I might be steering people incorrectly there. So one-time example of leadership or an overtime example of leadership, either one is fine. So sorry about that. People. Pretty good guidelines too on the on the UC website that you know and they they give a lot of, of uh, information and suggestions so that's an, another I think it, it, these questions really are meant to to give students an opportunity to tell to showcase something that they want to share about themselves and so and, and right. that's why I think they are, they really work. Right, exactly. I think sometimes they care less about what prompt you're answering and more about what are they learning about you um, when exactly. they when they read what they're. All right, number three. What yeah. would you say is your greatest talent or skill? How have you developed and demonstrated that talent over time? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, pretty self-explanatory. It's you know, it, it doesn't have to be necessarily. Um, again, it's, it doesn't. When you think talent, sometimes you think, okay, you know, I'm I'm a, a, a great violin player, or you know, I've, I've definitely you know, I have that sort of uh, you know, performing. I mean, that's not always it. It's what you know. What are those things that that make you stand out, or that you're really proud of about yourself? Um, and again, that could be you know that you're a really great public speaker, or that you love to influence people, or or uh, I have a student who wrote about that, and that became his common application essay as well of just how he really learned to, um, you know, love to make people laugh and that lended itself to, uh, you know, to really realizing, hey, I, I can be a great presenter and I can really persuade and influence people using using that sense of humor. 
Um, so, so I think it's it's you know really thinking about um, how you've developed it um, and and where and how how you put it to use. Um, and so it's you know you're kind of talking about hey I've got this this talent this thing I'm proud of and here's how you know it's it's benefited my you know me and my community and here's how it might ultimately benefit uh, you know my college community. Right. Actually, I had a student. Um, write about uh, doing yoga and she was terrible at it and but she wrote about her talent for kind of not caring for going anyway and doing her best to improve and it ended up highlighting this element of her personality where you know even though she wasn't always great at something the first time she tried it she kind of was able to to get past that and and keep going even though sometimes it was embarrassing and and actually that gave um, hope to others around her that hey well you know she's doing it she's not that great at it I could try it too it was a really well done thing and I'm not sure right that she would have necessarily that most people would have thought oh well this is my talent if it's something that they actually aren't that good at so there's a lot of different ways you can think about that too Um, yeah that's a great idea yeah yeah it was was really well done all right Um, number four describe how you've taken advantage of a significant educational opportunity or work to overcome an educational barrier that you have faced right right and this is an interesting one because I think this is also what sets the UCs apart in some ways from from other colleges um, where you know there's really no disadvantage here for students if they have a learning difference or you know some other challenge that they maybe academically they face that you know in some cases writing about that for other colleges that might be a bit of a more of a red flag Um, but in some ways the UCs are really interested they want to know more about you know what you've are there any struggles or challenges Challenges that you've that you've you've faced, and, and most importantly, how did you how have you dealt with them? Obviously, it's 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 always not you know you can write about a challenge or a failure or a struggle. It's it's really how it, the lesson here is is what you've what how you dealt with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a place where. Um, you know, if you really, you know, have that and you're worried about, oh, should I mention this? Is this something that, you know, colleges, um, you know, or how are they going to read it? I think for the UCs, you can feel comfortable. And that's, you know, I think a really good place where this, for this question or a really place, uh, this question is a good place for that. Right. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, I think in that case, if, if you're on the flip side, if you're talking about, you know, perhaps a less serious struggle, this may not be the place for it. So if you're talking about, oh, I, you know, just took a couple of extra AP classes and I really had to learn how to study hard for them. You know that may not necessarily. I think what they're looking for here is something a little bit, a little bit deeper. But, um, but, but again, it, it, it gives students that that place for for that kind of a question. Right, and if you've had some great opportunities, maybe there was an honors program that you took advantage of, or um, you decided mm-hmm. to attend a magnet school in an area of focus for you, or just some type of an enrichment program or something else. Um, This is also a great place where you can talk about kind of why you chose to take advantage of it, how you feel about um, that opportunity and and if it's added to your experience and in what ways. So helping them understand a little bit more about the why behind those choices that you might have made. I think this is a great opportunity for that. Um, Sure. Okay. Let's. We are halfway there, so let's jump into the next one. Um, describe right. the most significant challenge you have faced, and the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. How has this challenge affected your academic achievement? Okay, and I think similar 
to number four, the one we just spoke about, I, you know, I mean, this also is another place where you can talk about if you did have had a really, um, you know, a, a significant challenge like a learning difference or something that has kind of, of uh, you know, you know that, that has really affected you. But it doesn't have to be that either. I think that, you know, it can be, as again, we learn more about our challenges. Um, sometimes it might be academic. It might be personal. Um, you know, and sometimes we learn more about ourselves through that and, and how, you, how you overcame it. Um, um, I have a student who had written about, um, you know, the fact that his, his father took a job um, across the country and he was in New England and his father is now working, um, you know, in California. And all of a sudden it's, wow, I had to, you know, really learn how to be more independent and, and take more charge of my, my academics and, and almost, you know, take a more, um, you know, independent role in my family. And so that was really, you know, I, I think a great way to kind of to highlight that, uh, that particular mm-hmm. challenge, something that might not have come up any in other parts of the application. Right. And the key there, as you were describing that idea, is that he is not writing about the challenge as much as he's writing about how he overcame the challenge or adjusted to life after Mm -hmm. challenge, right? So one of the mistakes that we do often see students making when it comes to questions like this is that the whole essay is about the challenge. And while we appreciate that the challenge was a challenge, it was tough, uh, we want to understand, the admissions officers want to understand, how'd you overcome it? Because if all it was was a challenge and you really didn't overcome it or you don't really know what you did to overcome it, then that's not going to be a great thing to write about it. Uh, write about. And if you are currently facing that challenge and you have not overcome it, I would probably write about something else unless you can point to the steps that you're taking. Um, Okay. Number six, think about an academic subject that inspires you. Describe how you have furthered this interest inside and or outside of the classroom. Right. And, and this one, I think, is, is a pretty tr- straightforward, traditional, you know, yeah, what, why, you know, what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? What, why are you applying to this major? It's very similar to a lot of other colleges that, that ask this kind of question. So, um, so for students who are applying to the UCs and potentially other, um, you know, selective colleges as well, chances are you're going to be seeing this question, you know, uh, and you're going to be using this, this, writing this, this essay for other schools as well. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's really thinking about that. Even if you're undecided about your major, um, really, it's, you know, what are the things that you enjoy studying? So what are the things that you, you know, you love to study or just that you have an interest in even outside of the classroom? Um, so, uh, you know, but and I also do think that if you are applying to a really selective and competitive major, so if you're applying to engineering, especially at some of the more selective UCs, um, you want to address why are you applying as an engineer? What is it about engineering that, that grabs you in one of these questions? And I think this is this is one of the ones that I think can could make sense there. So, right. um, it, yeah. yeah. I would agree. Quick tip for students, though, is they do ask you about coursework at a higher level. Be careful that you don't let this become just a list of all the courses that you've taken. Don't forget that mm-hmm. they're going to see your list of classes as part of the application. So while you certainly could mention them, it shouldn't be just, I took this, 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 and this. You're trying to understand a little bit more of the why. All right, we are getting tighter on time, so um, let's jump right to the next one. What have you done to make your school or community a better place? 
Right. And I, I think that that one, this one also is one that you're going to find on a, a few other college applications, you know, popular apps out there. So it's also another one that you can probably, you know, perhaps use again. Um, and I think that the thing to really consider here is that community can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't necessarily have to mean just, you know, your your neighborhood, your school. Um, it can be your, you know, a team or it can be just a, you know, a cohort in some way, some some place, some group um, and your role in it. So, um, and, and just what, you know, what, what that, what you're, what you've done. So you've got to be similar to, you know, when we talked about the challenge, you don't want to talk about just the community. You want to talk about what you're doing in that community. How do you, you know, really help to, um, to, to, to contribute. Um, and Mm so, so I think, but I think you can really define community in, in a really broad way. There's no, there are very few kind of, of parameters there when it comes to that. So. Right. Um, okay. The last one is pretty quick, I think. Um, In my opinion, this is just the version of the UC versions app of topic of your choice. But here's the prompt. Beyond what has already been shared in your application, what do you believe makes you stand out as a strong candidate for admission to the University of California? Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it is very much a like, hey, if there's if you if you've got something you want to share that doesn't somehow doesn't fit in any of the other seven questions, um, mm-hmm. here you know use use this as your sort of uh, you know open ended one. But I, I feel like the questions, the first seven are so um, so different and broad and you know and diverse that I I, I feel like eight is probably not going to be used very often. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, feel free I mean, if there is something that you're looking you're like eh, I really don't know. If it fits in any one of these, I mean, you, you do have that one that you can use that's, that's completely different and, and completely open. Yes, totally agree. Yeah. Julia, thank you so much. I think this was super helpful uh, kind of going through all of these and hopefully for all those students who haven't yet started writing these or who are in the middle of it and, and we're looking for some advice. I'm hoping they will find this very helpful. Appreciate you coming today. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, We are going to be talking about a plan for seniors who have not gotten started. Uh, So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about that. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right. Well, we've been talking a lot about the November 1 deadline, both from the perspective of many of the colleges out there have early deadlines of November 1, and then the University of California application opens on November 1. But for those seniors who maybe are thinking, wow, people are already submitting applications. I haven't even really started yet. Um, well, we have some good news and a plan for you, so we're glad that you're here and eager to talk to you about this. And joining me for that is my colleague, Lauren Randall, who's a former admissions officer at Georgetown and also a former college counselor at a couple of different high schools. So I'm sure she is perhaps more familiar than most with the procrastinating senior. Would that be right, Lauren? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, um, we we are not here to berate people who are procrastinators. We are here to give them some helpful uh, in- information. So I guess let me start with maybe what might feel like an obvious question, but is it too late to get started at this point? Should people be feeling like, oh, wow, well, I missed it. I guess I'm not applying to college this year. Sure. Well, I- I'm glad we, we want to start here because I do think if it's a procrastinating senior, usually the, that panic question of, oh, my goodness, my, you know, my kid is too late, uh, he's not even going to go to college now, usually comes from the parents. Um, mm-hmm. so I want to normalize the situation. It doesn't mean that they don't need to get moving and moving quickly, but it's not too late. While we spend a lot of time talking about those early round um, deadlines and their strategy around that, the fact of the matter is most students apply at regular decision or sometime around uh, January 1st. So it's mm-hmm. completely normal to have not submitted any applications at this point, but it doesn't mean that uh, you're too late or that you can't get things done by, by the upcoming deadline. All right. That's good. Hopefully that is reassuring to people. And um, all right. So let's dig in. So if you haven't really started much, what's the first thing that you would think about doing um, for those seniors? Sure. Well, first of all, we need to think through the pieces that are needed for the application to apply on time. Um, and it's really not that much. So I think getting organized immediately is, is the first step. And I would put it in order of the number one thing to do is create the college list. Number mm-hmm. two is actually thinking about supporting documents. And I want to talk about why that's important to, to think about that now. Um, number three, I would say, is testing. Number four is um, how they apply, so what application platforms. And then I actually think number five, the last thing to think about is the essay. But let's mm-hmm. start with that college list because I think that that's where that's the most immediate step. Would you, All right. would you agree with that? I would agree. If you don't know where you're applying, the rest is sort of pointless. So, yes, I think that's the best place to start. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, I think there's a couple of different ways. First of all, it's probably, there's probably not a whole lot of time to go visit a lot of colleges, but start with what you know. So if there, if you know that, um, finances are an issue, start with your public and state institutions, or if you have cousins that went to a certain school, or start with what you know. You know, get some colleges on the list. 
Um, that, that's just a starting place. You can actually, on the common application, you can even put in a search on the, on the college search uh, tab. You can filter it mm-hmm. in for a specific um, a deadline. So if you're worried that colleges aren't, aren't accepting your application anymore, you could say, I'm only looking at colleges accepting applications af- uh, that are still accepting applications after, you know, let's say January 15th and see what's mm-hmm. out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, create your college list. And I think it's really important to have a, a big dose of reality here that regular decisions can make things tougher um, at a lot of schools. So when we talk about those highly selective schools, we really do spend a lot of time around that early strategy. So I think focusing the list on colleges where you're pretty sure you're right in that sweet spot, so what we, we might call a just right school or a target school, or you're above the average, so a, mm-hmm. a no problem school for you, is really where you want to spend your time and energy um, for, for your list for a regular decision. Right. If you haven't started yet, now is not the time to compile a list that includes every single Ivy and other highly selectives. Maybe you're going to apply to one or two. You, you know, we're not saying you shouldn't, but just that that A should never be the whole list anyway. But really, for students who haven't even gotten started, probably definitely not the list. Okay. Um, so I loved the order you put things in. So what are you moving on to? You've got your list. And what what comes uh, next? Yeah, the reason I say supporting documents should actually come next, um, you know, it doesn't really sound fair to go ask for transcripts or to ask your teachers to write recommendations when you haven't done your part yet. However, you have to give them time to do that. And high schools can have certain um, uh, processes in place to say, all right, if you're going to play January 1st anywhere, we need to know by December 1st. So you want to give them the time to to support you. So I actually think supporting documents is something you need to address quickly. Um, do you need letters of recommendation? If you have not asked, you cannot ask the day before winter break. <laughs> That's just nope. not fair. Um, so I think getting those pieces in line, which is usually a high school transcript and perhaps um, letters of recommendation, is something to think about now. Because once you make the ask and follow the high school's uh, process, you're done with that. You can cross it off of your to-do list and you can move on to the pieces that you still need to tackle. Right. And nothing feels better than crossing some of those things off of your to-do list. Um, what What would you say is next? My, I'm thinking testing, but I like I said, I liked the order you had and maybe you're thinking a little differently. I think testing is what's next um, because well, if a student has not taken any tests, so no SAT or ACT at this point, it's still not too late. So I want to say that that's okay. <laughs> There's still opportunity here. They are limited, but we need to cross that off right away because if they have not taken the SAT or ACT, we're really looking at December. There's a December 7th for the SAT and a December 14th test date for the ACT. You need to register for that. You need to prepare for that. So that's something that you can um, do today or very, very soon to check that off of your of your list. It still means you have to, to sit there and, and take that test, but right. at least get it on your calendar. Um, if that's the only time that you've taken it, well, you know that most likely you're going to send that score. So you can um, put down you can put down your your schools that that you definitely want that score automatically sent to just to have that done with when you register. 
if that's your one and only. Um, if you take, if you're using this December test date as a follow-up time, you may get the second time you've taken either of these tests. Um, you actually will get those test results back uh, before many regular decision deadlines. It'll be close, um, but you could you, you could wait on on sending them um, until you got that test score back. So it depends a little bit on your situation, whether it's the first time you're taking it or the second. But I just wanted to point out that. We still have December for those past states, um, but to get it on your calendar immediately. Right. And I think as you get organized and you decide on the schools you're applying to, it is really important to look because some schools might actually also take January tests. So, you know, if there are tests in the, in the spring, we say spring, but really what we mean is the winter. If there are dates still available, it's possible. But I think December testing is really what you're going to be shooting for. And and that's a really good point. Um, It is also important to note that Mm -hmm. many schools are going to take, um, will take stuff after their deadline, right? So you get your application in by the deadline. But if the test scores come in a little bit later than that, typically, that's not a big issue. Um, I I know that at Penn, it wasn't an issue at all. And it regularly happened. Um, All right. I think what's next is filling out applications, right? Rather because you, you're saying Definitely. essays last. So what's your advice there? Absolutely. You need to know how to apply to these colleges. We've talked about this many times before, but most, well, many colleges um, mm-hmm. accept the common application. Um, there's also the coalition application or the college uh, a specific application, which you find on their website. So you need to know how to apply for each of your colleges and start filling that out. Um, you know, that, that it's, it's somewhat busy work. It shouldn't be that hard, but that's also where you're going to find those essay prompts. And so you can get further organized on what else you need to do to complete that application. And that's why I say leave the essay for last. Right. And I think that's really good advice. And it also, I think another piece of that is really just getting, helping you understand what do you have to write. And we know that there, you know, you're going to do a main essay, right? But there are going to be lots of questions that they're going to ask. And there might be a lot of overlap. And, um, and so you can be more thoughtful and also, quite honestly, work smarter and not harder. Um, so what is it, what advice do you have for students who are just now, they've done all the things you recommended in the order that you recommend them, and now they need to work on the essay. How long do you think um, it takes to do, I'm, it's a bit of a loaded question, how long to write a good essay? Mm-hmm. And but I, probably more <laughs> well, importantly, just, right? Like, how long do you think about how, how long should you allot yourself for it? Sure. Just because I say do the essay last does not mean put it off till the <laughs> night, the 11th hour to submit it the night before or the day of. That's not what I mean by uh, at all. Um, I think I've never had a student sit down and write an essay once and it be their best work and they're done. So you do need to give yourself the time and space, but I think you can use the calendar to your advantage. Some students have really long winter breaks. And so if you have these other pieces out of the way, you can really devote a lot of time over winter break and it's not too late um, on that essay draft. I also like your point of, of work smarter, not harder. You know, if you're applying on the common application, 
one of the essay prompts says, you can upload an essay that you've already written. Mm -hmm. I typically tell students that doesn't usually work, but let's at least think about that. You know, I would say don't upload a book report or um, a a science report um, Mm -hmm. on on a lab experiment. Um, But if you have something that could potentially be altered or or work um, or that you've written in English class, that's a starting point to, to look at it. But I think students need to give themselves the space of a couple of weeks to draft, put it away, look at it again, um, and, and to to be confident in what they're submitting. But I again, I say work on that last only so that you can get these other pieces that might have a earlier deadline like testing or high school transcript requests. Um, you still always have that winter break if you're aiming for some of those uh, early January or even February um, deadlines. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't stress enough the importance of not dashing off a draft of an essay or a supplemental essay and feeling like, okay, done, moving on, because that really showed. And when many students have been working Mm -hmm. on these pieces for a couple of weeks, possibly months, um, yours are not going to stock up well if you don't give them time and attention. So really excellent point about the goal in leaving them to last is not to literally leave them to the last minute, but to chip away at the important things that need to get done and also um, give you time to kind of focus. And I love the idea of what do you have already that perhaps you might be able to repurpose? Um, that That is something that you want to think about. Lauren, I really appreciate this. And, and I hope that um, for those seniors out there or parents of seniors who have not gotten started yet, I'm hoping that they feel a little bit better, like they at least have a plan. They've got a lot to do, but at least there's a plan for it. Absolutely. So. And it's not too late. <laughs> Right. Very important point. I would say actually for many, many, many students in the country, uh, not only is it not too late, but they are probably in the same place that you are at. Maybe they don't listen to podcasts like this one, but um, believe it or not, you're probably in the majority and not in the minority here. So, um, and hopefully that'll help you feel a little bit better. Lauren, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much, Beth. I I always enjoy it. All right, great. Well, and you know, just a little thing out there for it. Lauren is our producer. And so she does this amazing job of lining up all of our guests and, and helping us figure out what segments we're doing and, and when we should do them. So I'm going to give her a special shout out for that today, too, as I know this is a crazy time of year. Um Thanks to Lauren. Thanks to all of my guests today. Next week, I'm back. Very excited to be back. And we're going to do a couple of segments um, we're calling Top 5. Top 5 mistakes students make on their admissions applications and also their financial aid applications. Um, And then uh, my colleague Zaragoza is going to join me. And he and I are going to share what we saw about the perils firsthand last year of students applying to way too many schools. And and we're going to talk a lot more about why we really suggest not doing that. Um, if you have questions for us, send them to gettingin.voiceamerica.gmail.com. I mentioned that we're on Instagram, Elizabeth Heaton 92 College Coach BH. We're also on Facebook. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts in a new place. We're at Kids and Family Education for Kids and Education How To. Um, and then, as you know, we have our archives and our blog. Um, so you want to check those out. And don't forget, we are here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. 
Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.